Welcome to our podcast, The Riddle of Faith, where my dad and I invite you to listen in on our conversations about life and faith. My dad's name is Dale Riddle. He's a farm boy turned rock and roll singer turned evangelist. And my name is Tamson, and I had the privilege of growing up with this larger-than-life father who flagrantly carved his own path and took us along for the ride. He's unapologetically authentic. He's quite a character and a great storyteller. So in his twilight years, I thought it would be fun to try to capture his personality and stories. He's one of those people who, because he's so comfortable in his own skin, he makes you more comfortable in yours. He's so joyful and fun, he makes the world seem a little brighter. And he's so fearless, he makes you feel braver. I hope somehow that will come through in this podcast. So thanks for joining us. Let's get started. Hey, Dad. Good afternoon. How are you, daughter? <laughs> I'm good. As I was trying to figure out what to uh, what we what topic to do, I I really kind of still want to focus on your legacy. And for me, uh, your sermons are really part of your legacy. And um, you know those uh, there's those books. Mom gave me some years ago about um, they were called hymn stories. It's like stories behind hymns and who wrote them and why they wrote them and the circumstances around that and um, or famous songs and the lyrics and how that how that all came about. Well, I kind of in my mind, it's almost like sermon stories. I want to hear some sermon stories like the the behind the scenes, how this came to be, what prompted you. So and so I, today I want to ask you about one of the most memorable sermons that I can remember as a kid. But it was also a sermon that you only preached a few times. And maybe that's what that's one of the things that makes it memorable because it was just only a few times that you preached it. Most of your sermons are memorable to me because you preach them um, every week in different churches. During certain seasons, you'd pick, you know, a handful of different sermons and you might repeat those several times like throughout the season. So those became very familiar to me. But this particular sermon was memorable. Uh, but not because I heard it multiple times. I think maybe just because it was infrequent and just the type of sermon that it was. So the um, the sermon was called, Why Sit Here Until We Die? And uh, I'm hoping, I would like for you to start, just tell me what prompted you to preach that sermon. How did you come up with it? And, you know, how what prompted you? Well, back in those days when I was, uh, you know, having to learn <laughs> to to preach and prepare sermons, I was always searching, looking uh, for questions or events that stood out. <clears throat> and I had a policy, you know, of Bible reading each day, and so I would come across things. And this particular uh, passage that uh, was over in Second Kings actually was a strange story about people literally in a war starving to the point of, of just death. And so when the outcasts and the lepers on the outside of the city, uh, they were outside because they didn't have anywhere else to go. They weren't allowed in the city. Uh, they, These lepers looked at each other and said, uh, why sit here until we die? And uh, I thought, well, now that's, that's, a, that's a question that's worth considering. And so I did work that sermon up, and I only preached it a few times, mainly because it was a difficult topic, because I always, as you know in my preaching, try to tell the story. And the story in the passage, uh, this one was really gross. I mean, two mothers are com 
complaining to the king that they made a pact in order to survive that they would eat their children. And so to survive, they proceeded to eat one child, but the second mother didn't want to keep her part of the bargain. So they asked the king, who was checking out the situation, to intervene. Now, people don't like to hear that kind of story, and the churches where I preach didn't like their children being exposed to this disgusting and tragic story. But to get to the heart of what was going on and what it was saying, it needed to be shared. The story basically is this city is under siege by the enemy. The city is dying. They're starving to death. They don't know what to do. And they're just sheltered inside trying to hold on. Now they're got to the point where they're eating uh, bird droppings and cow dung and anything they can to survive. And then the story got so bad they started practicing cannibalism inside. And the king, uh, he was walking around inside the city taking evaluation. These mothers confronted and told him the story about they had packed to eat their children, and now one had followed through, and the other wouldn't. And the king just said, "I'm going to, I'm going to have the prophet's head before the night is over," because this event had basically been prophesied it was going to happen. And so, who do you attack? Well, you attack the one who said it. And so, the king was going after him, and and so they went to the prophet and the. Uh, they said, we're going to, you know, we're, he said, look, I'm telling you, by tomorrow, you know, everybody thinks it's going to be fine. Uh, you can buy things cheap in the market. It's all going to change. And uh, and the king and his messenger said, if this God could open the windows of heaven, now this thing couldn't happen. And so and there was four lepers, I think it was, that was sitting in the front of the gate. And they said, this is crazy. The city's dying. Everybody's inside. Why don't we just go to the enemy? Maybe they'll give us something to eat. Or maybe they'll kill us. So what? We're going to die anyway if we just sit here. And so they go and they discover the greatest thing. The enemy's gone. God has caused them to hear things, to drive them away and they're looting the village, and one guy says, you know, this is wrong. Here we are celebrating, even though we're outcast, we've got the most we've ever had, but this is not right. Remember, there's a city back there dying. And so they go back, and they tell the city, the enemy's gone. It's available. And the stampede took place, and the king that said it would never happen was trampled into stampede and died in action. And so there's the story, the great event of outcasts saying, why sit here until we die? Let's see what we can do. And they literally saved a nation. I'm sorry that it took so long, but that's basically the story. Yeah, I, I remember that story vividly. And I, I I wasn't sure if you only preached it a few times because you said, that, you know, it was kind of gross and not everybody could handle it. And most of your sermons were very upbeat and positive, And this one was heavy. So I always assumed as a little kid 
that the reason you only preached it a few times was because you waited to only preach it to congregations who were really hardened, who were kind of stuck in their ways, who needed sort of a difficult story like that to maybe shake them out of their uh, status quo or something. I don't know. Is exactly. That- yeah, it was. Yeah, that is part of it. I mean, I, I used to always, every church has its own personality, even though there are a lot of similarities. There are a lot of differences. And so every week when I'd go into a different church, I would try to evaluate what they, they were really like and what they were all about and then try to direct my messages to where that need was in order to help the church grow. And, uh, and so some churches needed this harsh sermon, but not all that many. Yeah, that's why I think I only heard it, you know, maybe two or three times that I can recall, but it was really stood out in my memory, partly because the story was kind of different and graphic and heavy. Um, but it also was a good question. You know, it was like, and I, and I have to say here, let me just, I just, an aside, um, is that I think it's so funny when people say that the Bible is boring. I'm like, well, you clearly have not read it <laughs> because it, it is so full of drama and violence and crazy. You know, it's crazy, crazier than any soap opera or any kind of Absolutely. horror movie. I mean, honestly, it is just so crazy. And so, yeah, there, it was. That's definitely that's an example of some of the high drama that that you can find uh, in these old biblical stories. And there's, and I love that in these old old biblical stories, there's still relevance to today. And that's what I loved that you were able to bring the Bible to life and not just tell the story for the sake of history or whatever it was, but to tell the story and make it relevant to today, to our everyday lives. Like, what do I do with this right now? I used to drive one of my um, pastors a little bit crazy because we'd be in Bible study and he would be, you know, really unpacking the text. And at the end of it, if he hadn't really brought it home, I'd say like, okay, I'm getting ready to go to CVS. What does this mean to me when I leave, (laughs) when I leave the the church today and I'm going to CVS? Like, how do I apply this to my life today, right now? And it would drive me a little bit crazy, but I I think I got that from you. I want to know, like, how, how, what does this say to me today? And so, (laughs) um, so anyway, this, I, I, you only preached it a few times. It was a hard sermon, but it is still relevant. And that's what I wanted to ask you about too, is, um, do you think it is still relevant today? And do you feel like it's more or less? I mean, I know you were preaching to churches back then that you felt like were kind of stuck and maybe just dying and you kind of were trying to shake them out of that. But do you feel like the meaning is has changed at all for you or is it still the the truth of it? Is Does it still kind of fall in the same way that it did when you worked the sermon up to begin well, with? Well, I think it was really to try to motivate the church or at least help them understand why they were struggling. Uh, to me, the church in general is kind of like the story uh, in Kings where these people were hovering inside their fort and their city and afraid of the enemy, afraid to go outside, and they were literally all starving to death. And what I see today is our church in general is just kind of hovering inside their sanctuaries, trying to hold on until the enemy is somehow overcome. (laughs) The only problem is that the church is supposed to be outside confronting the enemy with love and mercy and grace. And yet people are mostly inside simply hoping to survive. Now, fundamentalists, the type Christians sometimes confront the enemy. But they're sometimes worse than the enemy. <laughs> they're trying to overcome 
because they they attack things that really don't mean they they attack the uh, they want to condemn homosexuals and women in ministry and they don't even realize they're fighting for the wrong cause when there's so many evils going on out there in the world that we need to be attacking and instead we're still sometimes like we're attacking ourselves and hovering inside some uh, the meaning is still very relevant for me today because to me, as a whole, God's people are still hiding inside. They they follow their beliefs and live in their sanctuaries, trying to really avoid the issues that are all around them. And to me, I think that love and mercy and grace and hope are the greatest things we have to offer the world. But we're not actively living lives that reflect this truth. Jesus said we'd have issues, but that he'd overcome the world. And in him, we could also be victorious. And that's the great part of the story is that these outcasts, these lepers who had never been given anything but trouble, discovered the blessings that God had provided. And instead of hoarding them and keeping them, they go back to the city that caused them to be outcasts. And they told the people, come and see what we've discovered. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about this, this is what I love about, this is another thing I love about the Bible. And I guess this could be true for a lot of things, but you know, you, it's different. The relevance of it is different in different stages of your life. So when I was young and you preached this sermon, I identified more with the church or the people that you could, that you said were like inside the walls and all that. But as I got older, I remember blogging about this when we went to, um, you, you and mom went with me to uh, a conference in Minneapolis called Why Christian. And mm-hmm. it was just full of people who were outcasts, just like this, just like the lepers, you know, they That's were on the margin, they were mm-hmm. on the outside and no, you know, the, they were kind of rejected by the traditional church and they were really just doing all kind of really innovative and amazing things to reach people for the Lord. But they kind of had to, because they couldn't work through the traditional church. And it was so eye opening. And I realized that, um, prior to going to that, um, to that conference, I, I ended up blogging about it because I, this sermon just took on such different relevance for me because I identified at that point, like more with the lepers, you know, feeling like, um, feeling like experience, like a bit of a spiritual famine, you know, and having right. to like go, go outside of your, of the, uh, of the status quo, like just, to, you know, I got, I don't know what's out there, but I'm not, this is not working anymore. Here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you kind of have to go outside feeling a bit like an outcast, wondering why I was tolerating the status quo and feeling, I just felt like um, that that sermon just took on a totally different relevance to me. And it and I identified more with the lepers. And it also made me realize, so you, you uh, like all through the Bible, um, Jesus did it. And even in now the Old Testament that you're talking about, it's uh, the the good news often comes from the people who are on the margins or who are the outcasts. And sometimes I think Christians miss the message. They miss the good news because it doesn't come in the form or from the person or whatever that they think it should. And that's just a theme. You know, I, uh, when I was in, I'd always heard about lepers and, uh, and the, the, the way they were treated and all in the past. And, of course, they later found out that this really wasn't some kind of contagious disease. But when I was in Korea back in the mid-'80s, I had the opportunity, was invited to speak at a, at a leper colony. And they, uh, 
And I tell you, this is one of the most um, rewarding and spiritual experiences of my life uh, to work with that group and to be there and love them. And, and they, too, were isolated. They still were on the outside. But they'd had a nice little village there, and they all pulled together and made it pretty well. Yeah, I remember you talking about that. And I'm sure that brought a lot of the biblical passages to life for you to see you know, to see their, um, their, to see firsthand, you know, some of the, 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 the horrible things that happened to them with that disease and the fact, and the way that they're treated by society, you know, and, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I think that, um, the other thing that, that I found compelling, I think about this sermon looking back is that it really, to me, kind of captures the way you live your life too, because you've always been sort of a, uh, I, I'm not going to sit around and just wait to die. I'm going to, you know, I want to get out there. I want to, I want to see things, do things. I, I want to, I, I, you, you've just never been a sort of sit and wait around kind of person. You've always been a go, go get it, go out there and get, you know, live life to the fullest kind of person. And we, we started that, we started the first season of the podcast talking about death and um, how you've always had this sort of I, it's not really a death wish. It's more of a life wish. You've always just been really open about death and, um, and it's helped you to live more fully. And I think that the question for this, for that sermon, the why sit here till we die, um, was really captures how you've lived your life too. You just have never been the kind of person who would just sit. You've always, you know, just gone out and really lived life just the fullest to its absolute fullest. Um, and sort of to me embodied, you know, how the Bible talks about, um, that God, that Jesus came to give us life. What's that verse that he came to give us life more abundantly? Yeah, I came to give, I came to might have life and have it more abundantly. Yeah. I feel like that is, um, that kind of captures you as well, that you have this, they've always lived with this well, sort of abundant I, life. You're right, and I, I've always lived kind of life like that. But now at this stage in life, I'm 78, and part of my problems now is there's just not a lot of other things I want to do. I've done some intern things. Uh, <laughs> I about run out of stuff I think I want to do. I uh, I told my wife this week she she was over in Turkey and Greece on a cruise with her sister, and uh, I didn't even want to go on that cruise because I've got to this stage now that. Uh, I feel like I've seen about all the world I want to see. So, I, uh, you know, I like to stay motivated and everything like that. But uh, there comes a time in your life when a lot of the things that used to to control your life doesn't have much control anymore. I'm perfectly content now, just loving my wife and my children and my grandchildren and uh, reading and writing and watching things and enjoying things. I don't have. I don't feel like I have anything else to prove. So I feel like I've I've gone outside, I've attacked the enemy, and I've discovered that life is wonderful. And I spent most of my life telling others the same thing. And uh, that's kind of how I feel about it. Well, I still I still look at you and think that you live this abundant life, and that you don't you don't live by that sort of you you the the why sit here till we die still applies to me. It's not necessarily like a a physical thing that you go out and, you know, take life by storm, that kind of thing. But you still, you know, you still are constantly learning and you're constantly challenging yourself and you're constantly, you know, uh, staying in relationship with people and you, you know, what's important. I mean, the abundant life doesn't necessarily mean, 
traveling and all that. It can mean just being really content and happy and appreciative and grateful for what you have. And I feel like that is, I I see that in you and mom. Thank you, darling. That's true. I am so grateful for what the Lord has done for me. That's for sure. Yeah, I feel like you live the abundant life in that way, even though you've slowed down. Yeah, and I probably, it's a good thing. Yeah, age is up and uh, I might hurt myself now if I did something like I was capable of. Well, you you just went with Ronnie, you know, to to, uh, Honduras this year. In some ways, you haven't slowed down that much, but I know you don't have the same energy that you used to have when you were younger. But to me, you still are, um, you know, really still live in life to the fullest as, you know, at this age. Well, I, I still enjoy life. Thank you, there. I really do. Life's very precious, and I treasure every day. Well, thank you for uh, unpacking that for me a little bit. I love revisiting some of these things that we haven't talked about. In- but I, I appreciate your time, as always. Yes, and, thank um, you, darling. Enjoy talking to you. Love you. Have okay. a great night. I love you, too. Okay, bye. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. I know I'm a little biased, but I think my dad is a great preacher because some of his sermons I only heard a few times when I was a kid, and I can still remember them today. Through the years, I've heard many people say the same thing. Dad really had a way of bringing the Bible to life and making it relevant. I'm not sure if you can identify with any of the people in the Bible story, but many of us have likely experienced times that we felt we're sort of like a famine, or maybe we felt like we were under siege in a much different way, maybe a spiritual or emotional famine, uh, maybe a crushing or debilitating situation, maybe a toxic relationship or environment. You might feel powerless, but God is all powerful and loves us. So we always have reason to hope. The lepers in this Bible passage asked themselves a simple question. Why sit here until we die? And then they wandered out into the unknown, and because of their willingness to question and to act, God saved them and an entire nation. The beauty of the Bible is that one story can speak to all of us individually, and I can't explain it, but there is timeless and mystical wisdom that brings me back to the Bible over and over again, and it always has something new to offer. As always, I thank you for your time, and I hope you'll join us again.